The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Today, we continue in our series entitled Family Matters. We are looking at this topic because we believe that family matters more than ever in this world where everything seems so mixed up. We have been looking at the responsibilities of the husband in marriage, and we have seen that his primary duty is to love the wife. The world tells us that love is all about feelings and emotions. But what does love really mean from a biblical standpoint? Well, today we're going to look at love from a biblical standpoint. We're going to begin examining 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. We're going to learn that love really has little to do with feelings and everything to do with our actions. I hope you'll stay tuned for the message today. But first, we have a song selection that we hope you'll enjoy. Here in the
If you would turn this morning back to Colossians chapter 3, we have been preaching on family matters because as we always remind ourselves, family matters. Um, and the Word of God is, is a meddling Word, okay? <laughs> uh, can I put it that way? The, the Word of God gets right down to where we live. Sometimes people like to think about the overarching themes and the great doctrines of the Scripture, and those are important. But the Scripture gets down to real life. The, the Word of God is more practical than any self-help manual or other kind of owner's or operator's manual that you'll find in the, wor in the world today. Because what the Word of God does is it gets right down to where we live. And that's where we've been for the past several weeks. And it's really been meddling. And I told my wife yesterday, I said, I, I just don't know that I can even, I mean, it's so embarrassing for me to get up here and to preach these things when I look at my own life and I realize I haven't fulfilled them myself. So I hope you're as, well, I hope you're not as embarrassed as I am, but I hope you're embarrassed a little bit, uh, especially you husbands, you men, whether you're a husband or not, uh, as we go through, we go back to husbands today, but I hope we're all convicted in some ways of how we uh, need to be living as opposed to how we really are. So this morning, I want to go back again to the topic of husbands. And we're going to begin reading in Colossians chapter 3, and we'll, as we always do, start in verse 17, because it lays the groundwork and the foundation for what we're thinking about here. And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So you see, with that foundation, that background in place, you can't check out if it's not talking specifically about you. You say, well, I, okay, this is going to be about husbands. Well, I'm not a husband, so uh, it doesn't matter. I can just check out. No, you need to be engaged. You need to be engaged because whether you're male or female, husband, wife, or single, or whatever your circumstance is, you need to know what the Word of God says about husbands and about wives and about children and about parents. We're about to get to, we're going to get to children and parents next. And, and you need to know about this because for one thing, you need to be able to teach others around you uh, when, when you're asked about these things, you need to know what the truth is. There's so many worldly philosophies out there that will lead you astray. They sound good. They appeal to the heart. But you know, God never said follow your heart, did he? In fact, he told us about the heart. He said the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. You know, you can't even know your own heart. Sometimes I think, you know, I would be, when I was a kid especially, I'd have something on my mind. We, Brother Warren and I were talking about the Sears and Roebuck catalog this morning. Man, we'd get that catalog in, that Christmas catalog, and I'd sit down and I'd flip through and I'd make circles and check marks and I knew what I exactly, and sometimes, Brother Warren, I'd get exactly what I asked for, but it turned out not to be what I wanted. <laughs> I got my heart's desire, but I didn't even know my heart. I said, oh, this isn't as much fun as I thought it would be. And that's kind of the way it is with us. We're not to follow our hearts. We're to follow the word of God. So wives, verse 18, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. We've already talked about that. We spent a couple of Sundays on that. If you uh, wonder about that and you weren't here and you want to go back, it, I'll be posting those sermons at some point. Go back and listen to them. But now we're at verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Now, if you recall last time, just to sort of summarize, 
we reminded ourselves that this is not a suggestion. This is a commandment. It didn't say, you know, it'd be a good idea if you loved your wives. Or just do the best you can to try to love them when they're lovable. That's not what it says. It says, husbands, love your wives. Period. End of story. You don't have an option. What if I fall out of love with them? Well, if your view of love is what the world promotes, then you can fall in, you can fall out, you can fall on your face, you can do whatever, you know. But if your understanding is a biblical understanding, then you're going to realize that it doesn't matter how you feel. What love's all about in the Scripture is about action. It's about, it's about doing and not feeling, you see. Husbands, love your wives. And we talked about the kind of love that it should be. It's a Christ-like love. We flipped over to... Ephesians chapter 5, we read in verse 25 that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And that told us something very important. You, you can talk about doctrine and you, you can say, well, I don't really get into doctrine too much. I just want to know the practical things of the Bible. Beloved, if you don't know the doctrines of the Bible, you can't apply them practically, you see. You notice what it said. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. If your view of how Christ loved the church is he waited until she got lovable and did the right things and made the right choices, then your view of how you love your wife is going to be different than the biblical view. See, we understand that Christ loved the church when she was yet an enemy to him. Christ loved the church when she was unlovable. She had no merits. There was nothing about her that should attract him to her, and yet he loved her anyway. So that tells me that as, as, as I love my wife like Christ loved the church, there may be days when she's not as lovable as she is on other days. I didn't say that. I didn't really mean that. I just had to say that from the pool. I'm just kidding. Seriously. Uh, uh, but there are days, in, in, listen, in any marriage, think about this. Think, think, what, think about what marriage is. Think about, think about what happens. You take one sinner who's looking for that one person to be to make them the center of their lives, and you take another sinner who's looking for that other person to make them the center of their lives, and you put them together, and you've got a recipe for disaster. <laughs> you know what marriage is? It's two sinners living together. It's two sinners together. Guess, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have conflict. You know, somebody's going to disappoint somebody else. Somebody's going to make somebody else mad. I mean, that just happens if you just got roommates. I had three or four different roommates in college. You know, I liked them well enough, some better than others, but they all made me mad at some point. <laughs> but marriage is a recipe for disaster if we only look at it from a worldly and a fleshly standpoint. So you see, the love that we got to have for our wives, husbands, and by the way, listen up, wives, because you ought to be loving us in the same way, but... But the commandment is for us to love you in this way. The commandment is, is that we love you like Christ loved the church, which means that even in the times when the church is not a lovable, um, uh, uh, not, a, not, a, not a church that deserves his love, he loves her anyway. And that's the way we're to do. It's unconditional, it's sacrificial, and it is unending. And then we, then we saw where there were to be leaders in our families. Men, listen, the, the burden is on you. The burden's on you. Now look, ladies, if you don't have a man in your life, you don't have an excuse not to be godly, not to be spiritual, not to be leading your family in, 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 in spiritual ways. But, 
But men, ultimately, the issue is, is that men have dropped the ball. I'm afraid we as men have dropped the ball in many situations, in many cases. And ultimately, in our families, we are to be the leaders. Now, I'm going to come back to that. Let me, I don't want to leave you hanging on that. You may be sitting there thinking, you know, preacher, I did. I dropped the ball. I haven't been the, husband, the godly husband, the godly father, the godly servant leader that I should be. Well, that's okay. That's okay. You know, you know what the answer is? Repent and start today. <laughs> that's the beauty of it. Uh, Moses tells us today is the day of salvation. Not yesterday. It's not what I did to mess up yesterday. It's what you're doing to do better today, you see. And that's what this is all about. This is not about browbeating us for the things that we've messed up. I would not be standing here preaching to you this morning if it weren't for the grace of God because I messed up in so many ways that I can think of that it's almost crippling when I sit down and, and dwell on it. And so praise God, He's given us what we call repentance and grace and mercy that we can move forward from today. But the leadership we have is to be a loving, sanctifying, sacrificial, protecting, cleaving leadership. And we saw that last time. Now, it occurred to me this past week that, that maybe since we've been talking about men loving our wives, maybe we ought to explore the Bible definition of love a little bit more deeply. We've talked about it a little bit, but maybe... If we're told to love, maybe we ought to learn a little bit about what that love is. So this morning, I want us to flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which we know is the love chapter, and I want us to spend a little time there. And that may be all we have time for today. If it is, we'll come back later because I also want to talk about some of the practical applications of love in the context of husbands and wives. But we'll see how far we get today. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is what we know as the love chapter. It talks about charity. And by the way, one of the reasons that I love the way the King James translators translated that, that word is because what do you think of when you hear the word charity? You think about action, don't you? Doing something for somebody. You know, when you hear love under the current definitions of it, it might mean doing something. It might be your heart goes pitter-pat. It might be, oh, I love Diet Coke, you know, or something like that. But the, the King James translators rightly translated this as charity, this agape love, this Greek word that means something deeper than just brotherly love. This agape love they translated as charity, okay? And just before Paul starts this 13th chapter, in the last verse of chapter 12, and all through chapter 12, actually, he's been telling the church about all kinds of spiritual gifts. You know, speaking in tongues, words of knowledge, various things like that, healing. And those are great gifts, right? Those are amazing. And he's talking about how that you're to deal with those gifts and how you're to uh, uh, to, to, to covet the best gifts. In verse 31, he said, covet earnestly the best gifts and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. That word more excellent means literally super preeminent. It is the, uh, you know, abundantly above anything else. He says, it's not just a better way, it's a more excellent way. 
It's so much more than better that he doesn't even use better in the description. It is a much more excellent way. And then he begins in chapter 13 with this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Notice what he's saying here about charity or love. I may use those interchangeably, but you know what I'm talking about. He's saying here in the first three verses that love is is something that's deep. It's enriching. It's not just shallow. Notice verse verse one there. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Now, this is this is the Apostle Paul. This is the, the great Apostle Paul. He's speaking with the tongues of angels. He's speaking inspired words. What he's writing here is inspired of God. You know, I'm up here preaching the word of God, but I'm not inspired of God. I hope I'm led by the Lord. I hope I'm I'm being led by the Holy Spirit, being uh, prompted by or influenced by, impressed by the Holy Ghost as I prepare to preach to you. But the only thing that I know for sure that I get right every Sunday morning is when I read from the word of God. Everything else I say... I hope it lines up and I believe it does or I wouldn't be preaching it here. And I hope you know that uh, uh, that you can come to me anytime and tell me, hey, preacher, I don't think you were right on this. I'm open to that. But here's what I'm saying to you. Paul was speaking inspired words. He really was speaking with the tongues of angels, so to speak. But notice what he says here. He says, I don't care how eloquent I am. I don't care if I can speak with the best tongue of men. I don't care if I can speak just like an angel from heaven if I don't have charity, if I don't speak with love, if the motivating factor behind what I do is not the charity, the love, the agape love that God Christ had for us uh, and God had for us through his son Christ, then you know what? I'm saying nothing. I'm saying nothing. When I was growing up, especially when I was a younger fellow. My daddy didn't say I love you very much. And as he got older, he, he got to where he did. He, he, he said that much more often. But when I was in my, you know, 10 years old, 12, early teens, you know, I'd, I might say I love you. And he'd say, he, he'd tell me he loved me. But usually what he would say is this. He'd say, don't tell me you love me. Show me you love me. You can say I love you all day long, but if you don't show me, what good is it? And that's what Paul is saying here. You know, Daddy wasn't quoting scriptures when he said that, but he was sure quoting a scriptural principle. Paul says, I don't care how great a speaker I am. You know, I've said, I've said this before here, and it's, this is also not a, a Bible verse, but it's a Bible principle. I mean, think about this. I'm, I'm, I'm up here... Every Sunday morning, Sunday evenings, you know, whenever the doors are open. And, I, and, and you're, you let me, you're letting me intrude and meddle into your lives. You know, you're, you're, you're doing, I'm telling you how you ought to live. I'm telling you what you're doing wrong. I'm telling you what you're doing right. I'm telling you, you know, maybe, maybe some, sometimes, 
Sometimes as a pastor, I have to go to people individually in the church and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you get back on track. You've gotten off track. I want to help you get on track. And of course, whenever I do that and whenever any of us do, we're all, all charged with doing that to each other. He said, you better restore ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, lest ye also be tempted. But what if, what if, I, what if you did, what if I never showed you I loved you? What, what if I never demonstrated in any way that I care about you? And then I came to you and said, hey, you need to change your ways. You know what you'd do? <laughs> if you didn't hit me, you'd at least just laugh me off and, and go because you, but, but you tolerate me. You put up with me. And I believe, I hope it's because you know how much I care about you, you see. And that's what we do in our families, right? We, we try to correct our parents. We try to correct our children. And they should know we love them, and that's why we do it. You know, I've said this before, and I started down this track a minute ago. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, if you didn't think I cared about you, you'd just dismiss me and go on and do whatever you wanted to. But I hope you know I care about you, and we ought to show one another that we care about one another. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, I don't care how eloquent or even how right I am, it doesn't mean anything if I don't have charity. I'm saying nothing. It's just like a clanging brass, sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. I was so glad, so thankful my children didn't want to play the cymbals, you know, because I didn't want them going around to, you know, you know, think about it. The cymbals have their place. Miss Band Director here, I know that. Cymbals have their place. But can you imagine if I got a set of cymbals and started going around the house, clang, 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 you know. No, I mean, it's got their place, but... But the place is not in my house, okay? <laughs> that, would be, that would be rough, wouldn't it? And that's what he's saying. That's all this is. That's all this is. If you, if you don't have love, that's all it is. Verse 2, he, we've already read it. He says, though I may have the gift of prophecy, I may understand all mysteries, I may have all knowledge. Now, that's, that's amazing stuff. And the Apostle Paul had... So much more knowledge than I've got even. I mean, I have to glean it from the words on the page. He was getting it breathed into him by God. And yet, even though I've got all knowledge and all faith so that I could remove my... If I, if I walked outside right now and I said to a hill over here, be thou removed, and you saw it removed, you'd be impressed by that. But you shouldn't be impressed by that if I don't have love for you, you see. That's the point here. He says, I don't care how smart or knowledgeable or even wise, and I question wise because wisdom would include love. He said, I don't care about faith, understanding, prophecy, knowledge. All of these are less than love. In fact, if that's all I've got, I am nothing. That's what he said, and I am nothing. I am nothing. And then look at this benevolent attitude he has. He says, I can give all my goods to the poor. I can lay down my life, give my body to be burned. I can become a martyr. But none of that matters. All the benevolence, all of the sacrificial actions are less than love. He said, if I don't have charity, if I don't have love, he said, it profits me nothing. I, I, love, is, love is not about all your talents and about all your, your abilities. Love is about your heart and your desire 
towards your fellow man, your fellow Christians, your fellow children of God, like within the context of this church. Love's all about how much we love each other, how much we care about each other, and everything we do ought to be motivated by that love. And so let's bring it home to, to husbands and wives. Husbands, and I'm including myself in this, is everything we do motivated for our wives, motivated by our love for them? Is there anything that we would not do to enrich and to lift them up if we really and truly love them like this? We can come in from work and say, I love you, I love you, I love you. But the point is, he says, you got to show it. Because notice, love is also edifying. Look at verse 4. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Look at that. It these next few verses tell us that love, instead of tearing down, love builds up. You know, you, you see a lot of, I've seen a lot of situations involving domestic violence where somebody says, I love you so much and if I can't have you, I'm going to kill you. You know, nobody else can. That's not love. That's not love. Love builds up. It doesn't tear down. Look, he says, Charity suffereth long. That's long-suffering. That means it's patient. Love is patient in bearing offenses and injuries. And, and it, says, it says it's kind. The word kind there sh- means it shows oneself to be mild. And, and again, it gets us back to that idea of not a feeling but an action. It means to employ or to use kindness in your daily walk, in your daily actions. Showing yourself to be kind. You see, due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.